This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. How's tricks, Adam? How's what? <laughs> I knew that'd get you out. I knew that'd absolutely stump you. How's tricks? How's things? Tricks are fine, thank you, Amos. How's trick? <laughs> how's tricks with you? <laughs> tricks are good. Have you never heard that before? No, and you know, I, you, and another couple of uh, Mancunians are the people that I speak to by far the most in my life, and I have never, ever heard that. You'd think I'd have heard that by now. Well, every day is a school day. Um, Speaking of stuff you've never heard of, I was appalled to find out after we finished recording on our Manchester Derby preview show that you, as as an American in the land of the free, the greatest country on earth, as the rest of the world is, is sort of constantly reminded, have never, ever come across a Panini World Cup sticker album. What? What, what what I I my head fell off and you you'd never seen it. I got one out. I got it out and you'd never seen it before. When I think of panini, I think of nice thinly sliced ham, <laughs> some Swiss cheese and maybe a bit of mayo and then you put it on a griddle that that compresses it and gives it those nice charred grill marks on it and it's a perfectly melted <laughs> sandwich. I do have those. I, I, do you not have any sort of like I don't know trading cards? Are they a thing? Is it just not? Yeah, but not not for football. 
That's incredible. I mean, I suppose it's not deep rooted, but for me, I my world first World Cup I remember, not the first one I was alive of, first one I really remember was six years old for the World Cup in two thousand and six. And since then, every single major tournament, in fact, going to Euro two thousand four, I remember having one then. Every single major tournament I had the Panini sticker album and I've got one now. I think last year, twenty eighteen sorry, last World Cup twenty eighteen was the first one I ever finished. It was magical. It was genuinely like an emotional <coughs> feeling. I can't believe you've never had that. And I, I suppose American listeners will not have a clue and those who've never done it before will not have a clue. But for those particularly I'm guessing of British descent or at least grew up in Britain, that is that blew my head off. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean we certainly have, you know, sports trading cards. I can remember very vividly and fondly going to the local sports store near me was called Models. Um, there, they were like right, a huge okay. chain, like um, like a sports direct, but they're they're out of business now. Um, mm. And uh, when you go up to the counter to pay, there's a big rack of cards. I think the brand was called Tops. T O P P S was the brand. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they, they they crossed over to the UK as well. Yeah, and you know you'd get. Uh, baseball cards, basketball cards, American football and stuff. And I, I'm sure there's something like the the cards you're talking about. There's probably, you know, an annual Super Bowl edition or something like that. Um, yeah. But nothing for, for football, that's for sure. It's, yeah, it, it, my head completely fell off. Um, and, and I'm sure everyone else listening to this will, will, will feel the same. Um, before we get into the main body of the show then, um, a couple of bits of admin. If you haven't already and you are on Instagram, I keep pushing it, at City Report Pod. Pause this episode now. Go and follow us. I think we're, we're lagging on about 60 followers on that platform, whereas everything else is absolutely booming. TikTok, Twitter, etc. Which is we're feeling some mad love, which is great. Had some had some lovely messages of support, which is fantastic. Um, other than that, I think we'll get into it now. Before we do, you've got a bit of a disclaimer, haven't you? Because your your Derby Day experience was was a little different than the rest of the world. Do you want to talk us through where you watched it, how you watched it, and, and why why that was the case? I watched it at home, as normal, um, yeah. with, a, with a cup yeah, of coffee off, in my hand. Starts off pretty normal. But yeah. it was probably the first game in <laughs> 10 years that I did not watch live. I had to... Yeah. Re- recorded essentially. I mean, the days of recording are are beyond us now in the streaming era. But um, mm. I was invited to a camping trip that I, for many different reasons, which I'm not going to go to on this this podcast, could not turn down. Um, and so I checked to see where the game was playing, and it was playing on Peacock, which has the rights to uh, to the Premier League here. And what's great about Peacock is when a game ends, they upload the full two-hour segment of the game uninterrupted, like immediately. Like it's a YouTube video almost. Um, So I said to everybody I was camping with, look, this game is happening. I will not hear the score. And if you hear – if you spoil the game, I will – I will frame you for murder and then every single day while you're in prison, I will write you a letter just with the score of the game that you ruined with me with ha 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 written at the bottom. Um, but no, where I was camping had absolutely no cell service. And then when we got out to cell service, shut off everything, airplane mode, no notifications, and then uh, watch the game as normal. But what was weird for me is I didn't get lineup news. The, the stream of the game just went straight to kickoff. So I had to get the lineup by looking at who's on the pitch. Um, 
I bet that was weird. It was weird, especially because there was emissions. Yes, there was a few people missing, uh, and we can start there. But yeah, um, yeah, it was a weird one. But I, I did watch the game in full. I just didn't get the kind of communal checking in with you guys yeah. in our group chats and social media and kind of getting the the feeling around the game during it. But I did watch it as normal. Yeah, I, I was intrigued by this. I've done I've done that before for for some games. Um, particularly World Cup ones when when I would would have been working elsewhere and wanted to watch the game, but I've I've never done it for a, for a city game. I've never done it for a for a, a game of that magnitude either. So, but did did you come to any? What what was the like? The, uh, sorry to keep asking, but what was the sort of the 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 makeup of this group? Was there any sort of potential? people who could who could break the link or was it fairly calm did they know like okay were, were they not that interested that they did sort of go out the way to find the score um well there was definitely people interested um particularly one of my good friends in the group is a lifelong arsenal fan and we before we left on the camping trip woke up at 4 a.m and watched the north london derby together the saturday yeah. morning and then left for the trip um but the like i said nobody had service like legit, right? Yeah. Not like crappy service. It might load. Legit, no cell service whatsoever. And Laura and I left to go watch the game because I was just having like ripping anxiety sitting there while everyone's having like <laughs> you know breakfast cocktails and and egg whites. I was just yeah. sitting there like wanting to puke up my guts because I didn't know the score of the game. Um, <clears throat> so we left early anyway. So we we would we beat everybody to cell service and no, it, it wasn't an issue at all. Nice, yeah. I bet Laura loved that cutting the, cutting the trip short, so you could. Sort of she she wanted to go home and watch the game too. So well, that's what we love to see. That's what we love to see. Um, yeah, obviously the game in question, Manchester City six. I repeat, Manchester City six, Manchester United three. An astonishing Manchester derby at the Etihad Stadium, really, wasn't it? Saw City cruise for four 0 lead. This is stuff you all know, or you wouldn't be here. It stretched to six in the second half before a couple of late United goals. Salvaged some dignities, you would say, for Eric Ten Hag's side. Um, I've got loads to say about this game. Absolutely loads, as you can imagine. I'm sure you do too, Adam. But but straight away, what, what were you sort of... If you had some three points to sum it up, what were your main takeaways from the game? I'm going to just throw one really, really brief negative out there. <clears throat> it was... Oh. Perfect. Perfect. It was this. It was maybe the sloppiest six goal performance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, Fa- yeah. Fantastic yeah. football was played at times. The goals were each of them should be on film in a museum. Um, mm. But <clears throat> everything else around the goals, I thought, was a weirdly sloppy performance from City. Um, but the other takeaways were um, that City are clearly contenders united are pretenders that's something that we knew but obviously Wait. with with united on you know a bit of a a bit of a high winning a few games on the trot they came into this like all right ten hog is closing the gap absolutely not the gap gets mm. bigger every time we play one might say um so that's two points three points is erling holland and phil foden can form football's deadliest superstar partnership if they stay together for a long time. Mm, 
Yeah, and that's not even taking into account a certain Belgian who who could make that uh, that that partnership a trio. Um, my my biggest takeaway actually is the is how on brand the city DJ is in the stadium because um, at halftime, um, Gangsters Paradise was playing, which I thought was a, a lovely a lovely touch to Coolio, who obviously passed away. And I think they've done that a few times when artists have died. Um, so yeah. Out of everything, that that was my main takeaway. But in terms of on the pitch, it, like I said, it was an absolutely astonishing performance. And we've got loads to get through. So let's start by breaking it down in terms of individual performances. I've listened to a couple of reactions already because obviously there's what eight hour time difference between me and you. You've just got up, had your breakfast. I've had some time to take it in. And unsurprisingly, you have to say, they've all led with the Earl in Brout Harland chat. Now, out of respect for my fellow Stopfordian, I'm going to switch it on its head and I'm, I'm going to start with the other hat-trick hero from Sunday's match. And, and that is, of course, Phil Foden. Now, Adam, it is, and I'm going to emphasise this, days since I took pelters for insisting Foden should be inserted into our pep all time, not all time, yeah, all time pep, but the ultimate pep starting 11. Now, I... I sort of was let out to the, the the firing squad. I was taking bullets after bullets after bullets for this man. People saying, you know, he's not he's not got the legacy at City that I think your your shout was Bernardo Silva, who, you know, valid shout, genuinely valid shout. Um blah 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 blah. And, but Foden's performance for me was the absolute epitome of what we call a clinic. He turned up on Sunday afternoon and he delivered. We'll obviously get to Haaland shortly, but but Foden tore United to shreds in the sense that it felt like a young kid playing in the back garden against silhouette statues. He put the washing line or the chair and like I did as a child, pretending to play against Manchester United when when City, quite frankly, was shit and you could never imagine they'd score two goals in a Manchester derby, let alone six. And he was playing like that sort of, I don't know, we, we spoke, didn't we, that on our preview show that not many players get this anymore, what, what, what a local rivalry means. That was the complete opposite of Foden. He, he was playing like we all would if given the chance. And first City hat-trick in a Manchester derby, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. No, he he was incredible on the day. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's a weird one because he seems to have gotten a lot of stick from City fans lately for, for one reason or another. And, you know, after last season where his numbers kind of dwindled, which you can absolutely put down to the fact that he was playing at false nine and you know false nine is very much um when people in the general footballing world speak about the false nine it sounds like a glamorous position you know you think of Messi yeah, playing there yeah. but it's not it's a ton of dirty work it's it's coming in and facilitating mm-hmm. everything and, and typically you don't get the glory when you play there um so he didn't score a lot last year he didn't assist a lot last year and um He's had a couple of weird performances this season when he he didn't look fully up to up to scratch, but um, yeah, it, it showed just the the level that he absolutely can hit, and we've seen him hit, and and he he tends to hit more often than not. Um, and he, yeah, he was running rings around the the United defenders, and and it helps having Erling Holland in there, who you could tell that United mm-hmm. were were hell bent on stopping him, and it didn't work very well, but. Um, yeah. You know, every time there was there was an aerial ball, you'd have Martinez and and Varane and maybe even another defender kind of in there helping out, trying to t- trying to deal with Holland, and, and that left Phil Foden wide open, and um, he was clinical as well. You got to say that about him. At, at times, his finishing can be um, a bit off, and he can get himself into incredible positions, whether it's going on you know mazy runs or or getting in at the back post and, and getting a ball fit across to him. And sometimes his 
his finishing is isn't great, but um, it was on the day, and and yeah, he he tore them to shreds. Yeah, um, the, uh, you, you mentioned the fact that you weren't following the game live and you obviously part of a byproduct of that was not getting the social media reaction. There was some superb stats flying about. It's one of those sort of, I think there's been a few of United this season and over the last few years where the entire internet sort of just folds in on itself in this sort of cave of laughter. And and a, a stat from David Mooney, actually, obviously of, of Manchester City Podcast Heritage, Um Phil Foden and Erling Haaland were both 11 years old the last time David De Gea conceded six in a Manchester derby. They've now just scored hat-tricks. There's another one from Richard Jolly, who, who's a superb follow as usual, saying Phil Foden is the first player to score a hat-trick in the Manchester derby since Erling Haaland about nine minutes ago. And obviously we'll move on to Haaland because he... I mean, what the the, the 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 bar was already high. Let's put it this way, and and it just keeps going higher and higher and higher, like a fantastic Olympic high jumper. There just doesn't seem to be a limit with him. And from um, for Haaland, obviously he got a, a hat trick and he got two assists for a fantastic performance. He's just the fifteenth player in the history of the Lequip player ratings, which are notoriously. Uh, harsh French sports outlet who who give very low ratings quite often. He was just the 15 player ever to get a 10 out of 10 for the performance. And and I mean, again, some more stats. First player in Premier League history to net three consecutive hat tricks in three consecutive home matches. And if there wasn't enough, obviously, like I said, two assists to his name as well after sort of this bizarre chat before he arrived, saying that he wouldn't be able to contribute to City's link-up play. For me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Erling Haaland's performance against Manchester United was the best individual performance in Premier League history. Ooh. <clears throat> because do you remember last season when, I can't remember who it was saying it, but, but people were making the case that Harry Kane against City at the Etihad was the was the the best all-time Premier League performance. I mean, it's not even a footnote in the argument compared to that one. If that's the, if that's the bar, then, yeah. I mean, Haaland shattered it. By that logic, absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't watched every single game in Premier League history, but um, <laughs> well, I have. I have. Uh, how dare you? You're insulting our fantastic league. Do you mean you not watched Burnley nil, Cardiff nil on repeat? Oh God! I pr- I probably did, and I probably was having to work <laughs> for it. While at the same time, there was like a four-four yeah. Arsenal Liverpool game. Knowing my luck, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was scary. It's the kind of performance where, and this is what was happening to me and, and Laura sitting next to me watching the game. Every time he scored, you just kind of laughed. You know, if if someone mm, else if yeah. someone else scores, you know, you give it the the fist pumps and the and the come on. Um, I just laughed every single time he scored. Yeah. I laughed, especially because you know, towering over Martinez, Varane uh, faking an injury to have to you know just so he could get away from <laughs> Erling Holland. Um, you just have to laugh and just sit there and be like, Jesus, this guy is yeah, so yeah. freakishly incredibly good at football. And I, I was I was this morning, I was just sitting and thinking, like, he's eight games in, and I already really want to call him the best attacking player that English football has ever seen. And we're eight games in. <laughs> And I, I mean, and I, I am I not watching. somebody who believes in recency bias. Like I, I will yeah, not let yeah. recency bias come into my head, and I, I already want to label him that. 
Yeah, well, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I guess if we're being objective, you, you, we are in a frenzy. Everyone's in a frenzy. This is English football has never seen this before, not in the sense of the quality. And I think the litmus test will be in the weeks to come. And if he keeps it up, then that isn't even a controversial shout. It's just a dead cert. But, it, you know, we are caught up in this. So if we're going to be a little bit objective, we say, right, OK, see what he does come May. But I was watching match today too, actually, um, on, on Sunday night. And Troy Deeney, who is obviously not of Erling Haaland's calibre, but a good Premier League striker, at least a a very good English striker in the years that have gone by. And he was saying for him, the only people who are comparing, not even just right now, but but in terms of football history, are Ronaldo, Ronaldo Nazario, not, not Cristiano, and Thierry Henry. And I mean, that is genuinely the conversations we're having. For me, I'd say Thierry Henry is number one in the list of Premier League all-time greats. I'd say Sergio Aguero comes in possibly at number two and could have definitely been number one if it wasn't for, for sort of sustained injuries. Give it two, three years. Erling Haaland's definitely challenging that list, isn't he? And I mean, like, for example, we, we, we said pre, uh, pre-season, pre there were people saying, oh yeah, but as I mentioned before, Haaland won't be able to link up with, with City's attackers. He's, he's not that same sort of player. He's just going to score tappings, blah, blah, blah. Talk me through that assist for Foden's second goal because if De Bruyne does that pass, and I mean he actually he actually played a better one, which we'll touch on in a moment. Um, but if De Bruyne does that pass, it's on the back pages for the next week. It's it's sort of framed for ten years to come. It's it's remembered as one of the best passes of all time. This is a centre forward. This is a six foot four. I don't know what he weighs, but it's not going to be light. Six foot four centre forward who split United's back line with a delightful left footed cross from out wide on a plate for Phil Foden. The sort of ones that you'd sort of flip reverse and say, well, he should be doing that. You should be there, blah, blah. There is no sort of at the moment, there's no limit to his game, which is, as you say, very, very scary. Yeah. And you're spot on about the pass because. That's exactly what I said after that was I I said that looks just like a De Bruyne pass. And it reminded me of, you know, on a kind of smaller scale, but it reminded me of De Bruyne's assist um for the Sane goal against Stoke in 1718. I was gonna say that. It was a beauty, wasn't it? Right. Where the vision that it required to kind of look down the line of four or five defenders and Foden wasn't he was in the picture, but he wasn't in the picture in the sense that he was already mm. ahead of the defenders and kind of ready for the ball. He was still behind the defenders, and Holland had to just put it on a plate like that. And that that there was the moment for me. I wasn't fully, fully sold on Holland's ability to join the link up play, if you want to, if you want to put it that way. I, I obviously okay. incredible, you know, penalty box striker and his ability physically and you know his his football IQ to get on the the end of chances incredible never seen anything like it but i did have doubts sometimes that he'd be able to come in and and you know if he needed to drop in a midfield link up a bit but that there was when it clicked in my head where i said it doesn't matter if he has the ball on the wing uh, if he's getting on the end of a chance in the box or if he's dropping into midfield to link up with De Bruyne and, and Bernardo Silva, he'll do something special. There's a, he, For me, yeah. you, get the, you get the buzz when the ball's in the air. But, you know, you think of players like Messi and, and players like that where wherever they pick up the ball, you feel a little bit of a lift in the stadium. There's this little – there's mm. this like weird cloud that goes around the stadium of yeah. what's going to happen next. 
that yeah. that right there clicked for me that he is that kind of player, not just somebody who gets yeah. on the end of crosses. He's the kind of player that wherever he has the ball, you tune in because he's going to do something special. Yes, but on I, I think back to the first home game of the season when Harlan made his debut at the Etihad Stadium. And obviously, Scott Parker's Bournemouth, the only team to to prevent him from from getting on the score sheet this season, which is remarkable. But um, there was that sort of audible gasp whenever he got possession, whenever he was was touching the ball, and and that day there wasn't that many touches. But since that day, it has been it has been a sight to behold. Um, right, okay, we'll move on then. Um, who next then, Adam? Kevin De Bruyne or Jack Grealish? You can you can take the pick. I'm going to say Grealish because I'm going to be quick about it. Okay, let's have let's have your your thoughts on Grealish's performance then. Well, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, but what I'm going to say is that that performance is exactly what many great Jack Grealish performances have looked like. I think this was yeah. just a bigger stage. And because of the six goals, things that he did resulted in a lot more on the score sheet, not necessarily for him, as we know. Um, but because it was the big game against United and he's getting the start after a weird performance against Borussia Dortmund in, in which he didn't look you know, very confident, very energized um, to get the start and um, to play the way he did and to just be skinning defenders left and right. And you knew it was going to be mm-hmm. his day from the off when he drew that that yellow card on Diogo Dallo yeah. down, down the touchline immediately. And he just had that lovely, deft little touch past him and gets taken down. And you thought, yeah. He's, Who, by he's- the way, I'll just jump in. Who, by the way, United fans in the build-up were saying is the best right back in the Premier League at right. the moment, and he dropped, he dropped a, he dropped a howler, and he couldn't even deal with a hundred million pound flop. No, no, he couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, he, he has had his first uh, share of stick, hasn't he? But it feels like now with that Wolves performance and that goal, where he wasn't actually very. Well, he was good, but he wasn't great that day scoring that goal. And then obviously this performance, which for me actually I think is, like you say, the perfect Jack Grealish performance. Not because he did sort of like a 10-10 performance or anything like that, because he didn't provide a, a, a goal or an assist. It was just like the epitome of what he's been doing for so long. But now after that goal against Wolves, people are like, Oh, you know what? This this is actually beneficial. You know, he can he can link link up the play, and I think at times City needed that. It was a bit frantic at, at moments, and that's what Foden's so good in in those moments. Really, he's a perfect player for that. When you're in a cauldron, when you need someone to excite, when and that's why he links up with Harlan so well. But for for Grealish, like I said, minute one, skipping Pastello, bringing out the foul. There was one where Gundogan hit the post where he drew the uh, so drew the foul as well, and he, he was absolutely tormenting. Right, okay, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, what else is there left to say about Kevin De Bruyne other than the fact that he's the best midfielder in the world and the competition isn't even close? You could possibly at this point say he's the best footballer in the world and the competition isn't even that close either. He played a pass for Haaland's second goal that absolutely nobody in world football could pull off. The vision, the execution, the weight of pass, the trajectory, every single aspect about it was perfect. He was standing almost dead centre to goal and somehow managed to still get a cross away. I, I, I don't know how that works. Crosses come from wide areas. He was standing literally in line with the penalty spot and still managed to cross the ball towards the back post. And he's already on eight assists for the Premier League season. His own record that he shares with Henri is 20 for the campaign, obviously from the 2019-20 season. The levels he continues to set are absolutely astonishing. There is something about Kevin De Bruyne's ability to 
eliminate the need for his kneecaps in which the ball <laughs> the ball is dead at his feet. I'm not talking, you know, in a kickable position where it's, you know, half a foot in front of you. Yeah. It's completely like parallel to his nose on mm. the ground and he will swing a static leg, like not a bent leg and mm. it, be able to get the amount of finesse. You remember the goal against Chelsea last season where the ball yeah, looked like yeah. it was stuck at his feet and he put it in the bottom corner. It, yeah. That that Holland assist was one like that where it looks like he doesn't have – he's kind of tripping over the ball at his feet. And sometimes he does that. Sometimes with Kevin De Bruyne, I get the sense that his brain and his legs move faster than the ball ever will. And so sometimes yeah, yeah. when he's got big numbers on a fast break, sometimes he can kind of trip over himself because I think he is – Yes, he's composed, but he's so excited because he knows I can put this ball anywhere I want. Um, <clears throat> but the assist for Holland, that was one of those assists in which Holland doesn't score that without Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne doesn't get an assist without Erling yeah. Holland there. And what I mean by that is he put it in a in a place in which he knew that the defender wasn't going to get it, but because of Erling Holland's physical stature and athleticism, he would be able to get onto it. And it was crazy that Holland went to ground. I don't know if you noticed this. Holland went to ground while the ball was still in midair. Like it, it was, yeah, yeah it, and he was sliding. He yeah, was sliding. He in. slid in like it was the most bizarre thing ever. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just a goal in which neither of them can pull that off with each other. And I thought that was incredible. I mean, that De Bruyne, he can always make that pass, but a different striker is not getting on the end of that in that situation. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, he, like, like Foden, he just ran things and, um, th- there's almost nothing to say about him anymore. I said on the, on the podcast last week when we were picking the best 11 that, um, that I think David Silva, I've always said David Silva is the best player to most talented player to ever play mm-hmm. in a city shirt. I think Kevin De Bruyne has, has far surpassed that. Yeah, and, and this is his legacy whilst he's still playing for City. Imagine what it's going to be like when that dreadful day comes and he, and he hangs up his, his boots or at least uh, leaves the club. For, for me, just finally on that pass, it was like watching a golfer on the top of their game sort of approaching the green. just Because the only, like you say, the only movement, the only pivoted action was his right foot. Everything else was dead still. It was a, just a swing of the club, beautiful trajectory, just sort of gently arriving on the green and just sort of rolling into the hole. That, that That's how I saw it. Um, right, Kevin, there was loads of good performances. Bernardo Silva is exceptional. Gundogan alongside him really stepped up. I mean, no, Rodri was was a big blow pre-game. It, it didn't yeah, can I, can I ask you about mentioned. that? Because I, I, came, yeah, I came into the game right at kickoff. So was there yeah. was there discussions leading up to the game on the omissions of both Diaz and Rodri? I heard Rodri got an injury in yeah. in training. Yeah, a calf um, problem. Yeah. Do we know the extent of it? I've been. I, I basically went to sleep after the game because the the camping trip was a bit rough for my my head. Let's say. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, well, you've been you you've seen fallout for team selection before, and I'm talking when Nathan Ake starts above Laporte. Have a guess what it was like because it almost arrived, sort of bang, bang, bang. It was like a, a semi-automatic rifle about 15, 20 minutes before kickoff. It dropped that uh, Rodri could be out. Then it dropped that Ruben Diaz wasn't playing. Then it dropped that it was a Gundwan uh, at number six. It was like you can imagine, you can imagine the fallout. I think my tweet was one regular day of pre-match build up or something like that. It was, 
it was about as typical city Twitter as you can imagine. So yeah, it, but but it was a, it was a it was a forgotten footnote in the end. It, it didn't even matter. I, I wonder how I would have reacted at this was a six a.m. kickoff for me. Well, live it was six a.m. Um, I wonder how I would have reacted at five a.m. when I checked my phone in bed to see that versus. Yeah. Versus just sitting down at kickoff and being like, this is it, deal with it, kickoff. Uh, um, yeah, I think you would have probably gone back to sleep, which would have been the only logical sort of way to think through it. I, as far as the, the center-back partnership goes, I've been very adamant on here, I don't care who plays. Um, mm. Nathan Ake has absolutely warranted a starting spot in the last eight months. Um, Akanji has absolutely yeah. warranted a starting spot in the last three weeks eight minutes yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we don't have any center backs in which they step onto the field and i think oh god remember them against you know uh, forest or remember them against yeah. lester like i, I no, nothing comes to mind where i i have any reason to distrust any of them so i didn't really care about mm. that my only thought was maybe is there a leader in that back line you know Cancelo is not going to be a vocal leader kyle walker maybe was the guy to be the vocal leader um, but obviously he came off with an injury. I can't remember when, I guess that would have been second half. Cause I don't remember. I think no, it was maybe, half, it was maybe half, late first half, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was after the fourth goal. Cause Sergio Gomez was, was, um, definitely on for that. Yeah. For that you're right. Of, uh, final five minutes. And so, yeah. So it was it was pretty early-ish in comparison. I mean, it, it was it was a weird game. It, it was a really bizarre game. And we put a tweet out to just sort of wrap up the the main chat from this. Was um, what was the because there were so many standout moments, and I we sort of wanted to know what the absolute standout, the, the number one people the moment for people was from Sunday's match. And we'll read some of them out now. Um, starting with TJ9320, they said the ball boy who celebrated the first goal, he was going full pelt with the players. Now, I shared that on Twitter. I noticed it at, at the time, actually. And then I noticed it um, when I was watching the highlights and, and sort of took a screenshot and shared it. And it was it was hilarious. I um, believe he, he plays for the academy. So it will be one of them in, in five years when, when he makes his debut. Um, Dadon, which is an interesting name, said Cancelo dropping Bruno on his arse at six on up. Man City collect, adding Grealish sitting Casemiro on his arse at, at, uh, in the second half as well. And there's a lot of that. Dangal said, whenever the camera pans to Ronaldo looking miserable on the bench. Tom Vidler said, Bruno getting a yellow card after spitting his dummy out late on. Jack messaged in saying Foden being a boyhood City fan and scoring his first hat-trick against United. And then finally, Adam, the best of all, coming from Joseph, who said, my big United fan, Uncle Tony, who cried his eyes out at the result. There were some belters in there. There was absolutely some belters. And and I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for my favourite moment, which probably had to be... um, And I didn't see this live at at the time. I only saw it on social media afterwards. But... um, the best Holland moment of the day didn't even come mm. from Erling. It came from Alfie doing the Poznan in yeah. the stands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I incredible. I didn't think I didn't think that one man's performance in the stands would top the family stands performance last year when they had the Pyro <laughs> and the Poznan yeah. in the second half yeah. of the Derby last year. But but seeing Alfie doing the Poznan was maybe the greatest yeah. sight I've ever seen in my life. And that that right that right there is why people need to and we didn't we haven't discussed this. This, this is probably something to discuss on a on a in a week with you know lighter content ideas. Um, but that right there is why everyone needs to just 
calm down about, you know, Holland automatically leaving for 150 mm. million pounds in two seasons. Like both Erling and Alfie are going to be extremely happy with him playing at this club and and the club means something to both of them. And that's not yeah. That's not something worth throwing away for these guys. You can tell. Um so yeah, I that that was my moment of the day for sure. It, it was fantastic. It was it was so heartwarming, and and there was a few of those, wasn't there? I think pre match there was that photo of Roy Keane and and Alfie Harland sort of separated by a matter of meters. Some I, I can't remember which broadcaster it was. I think it was maybe um, Norwegian TV tried to reunite them, and, and Alfie said no. Um, but but I, I think in general the, the Alfie Harland story and the Erling Harland story is so remarkable because you've got a player in Alfie Harland who, let's not forget, essentially had his career ended in a Manchester derby by Roy Keane. He then goes away, obviously, he he still plays for a couple of clubs later on in his life, but never really gets to the sort of level. And he wasn't a fantastic player, but he was a a good Premier League player um, and and respected by the City fans, sort of a a cult hero sort sort of player. He then obviously goes off, has a kid, like a lot of people do, but this kid turns out to be one of the best prodigies in world football. That that same kid goes through European football. He, he, he sort of obliterates all records in Norway, in Germany and whatnot. He then comes to Manchester City, who, who despite it being disputed, is his boyhood club. He supported City as a child. There was photos of him at Main Road. There was photos of him as a teenager watching City at Wembley. He, if not likes definitely has a fondness for Manchester City. That same kid in his Manchester uh, Manchester derby debut goes on and scores a hat-trick. It, it, it's an astonishing story, a really, really heartwarming story and, and one that shouldn't be forgotten. I, I guess then in typical City Report podcast fashion, we'll bring the mood down a little bit before we, we start to wrap up. Three goals conceded against mid-table fodder like Manchester United isn't great, is it, Adam? The the caveat is a pretty simple one, and it it should sort of end the discussion before it started. The first goal came out out of absolutely nothing. City sat off United at the start of that second half, which worried me. It it actually annoyed me a little bit in the stadium. It it, it did do my head in. Um, It came out of nothing. Great strike from Anthony. Fair play, it happens. The last two goals, though... Half the half the team had changed with substitutions. I think possibly the full back line, um, or at least there was definitely some changing about. Nathan Ake ended up at left back. Laporte came on for his first game since May. Blah 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 blah. But still, to to, to give up two cheap goals like that, and and I suppose from a partisan point of view, make the scoreline look a tiny little bit more respectable for United is frustrating on what was otherwise a, a really spellbinding performance. Yeah, those goals, I, I won't consider them, you know, like unforgivable or anything. Um, no, no. Like you said, the Anthony goal was incredible. And and because of the scoreline at the time, I think it was 5-0 at that point or what, maybe 4? Four? 4-0, four four um, yeah. So there was a... a if a smattering of hope, if not yeah. anything less, it was it was unlikely, but it still felt mm, yeah. Because of the scoreline, I actually enjoyed the goal, and I was like, "Wow, that was a that was a class." Goal. <laughs> I didn't not not en- not <laughs> enjoyed it, but was able to appreciate yeah. the fact yeah. that it was a ridiculous okay. goal. Whereas if that was scored at one all, uh, you know, I would have had a meltdown. Um, but I think with the two late goals coming at six one. Um, and when City are playing with a midfield of Ilkay Gundogan and Sergio Gomez and the wings are Riyad Mahrez and Cole Palmer, you can kind of, you know, see that things might be a little bit disjointed. And um, But I was adamant that if it were 3-1, 
at the time of those goals, those goals don't happen. Because it's just... Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You can say what you want about Pep Guardiola's teams striving for perfection at all times, and no matter the scoreline or the opponent or the competition, they they never drop their guard, but it's just human nature. It will always be human nature that the players are going to... um, Take their foot off the take the foot off the gas a little bit um, with that scoreline. So it didn't bother me at all. It just bothered me because it was United. Had it been you know Leicester yeah, and we were six yeah. one up, then whatever. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, um, you're right. The only reason that it, it it bothered was the fact that it made the scoreline look a little bit more, um, mm. a little bit better in United's favor. But at the end of the day, they they still ship six to their biggest rivals. So what can you say? Well, no. As I said, City are not the biggest rivals when when City right. beat them. It's Liverpool, but but when but when United beat City, it's the biggest game in world football. Right? Um, yeah, it's a catch twenty two, really, isn't it? Because those United goals don't happen if City aren't six one up, but City aren't six one up. So 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 City have more control of the game and don't go six one up without sort of the changes and whatnot. You get what I mean? Um, but yeah, it, let's not let it ruin the mood at all. It, it, it's remarkable to think just how dominant City were in the Manchester derby um, last weekend because at the same time, you look back at the 2011-12 victory, the 6-1 at Old Trafford, and there was, how do I word this, an element of luck, let's say, to that result. City were not 6-1 better than United at that time. You know, your United team had Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidic, Wayne Rooney, Premier League greats in a sense, you know, at least not sort of like the best ever, but, you know, certainly of that time, some of the best players in the league. Whereas this time around, the only element of fortune was the fact that it wasn't 10-1 to City. And that's genuine. That's not being hyperbolic at all. If City had not made the changes and had been chasing more goals, I am absolutely certain they would have put minimum eight past United it genuinely could have been double figures and that sort of we'll we'll use this as a nice way to round up but that sort of underlined absolutely everything about these two clubs at the moment the fact that too late what was it I think it was 85 and 89 or something like that the two United oh sorry the, the final two United goals came that was the only thing that saved it from it being utter utter humiliation and utter deserved humiliation you know, you compare 6-1 in 2011, uh, 2012, there was a stark difference between the performance from Sunday's match. Yeah, exactly. That's spot on. Um, and look, we'll we'll wrap up with this since we wanted to bring it back to a more fun note. We'll go with a little quiz. You gave me a quiz last Friday, so I'm going to give you a little I quiz. I did, I did. Uh, a, new game, nice. a new game I've thought of here. So I am going to ask you a few questions about player ratings from this game. All right. Uh, I'm going to use the FOP mob ratings here because that's the one I I always go to. You plug for for some sponsors. Yes. Is that your sort of your your rallying call? This episode is sponsored by a (laughs) 1 million pound deposit from FOP mob. Um, (laughs) All right. Amos, I would like you to give me the two highest rated players on the pitch on for, according to FOTMOB. I think they're probably the two highest rated across all of the different yeah, platforms, yeah. but who do you think are the two highest rated rated players on the pitch from the Derby this weekend? 
Um, well, it wasn't Lissandro Martinez, despite every United supporter saying that he's the, the second coming of Beckenbauer. I think it's quite a simple one, Adam. I think we'll do this this segment a few times across the season, and I don't think it'll be easier than this. But um, I'm going to go as the highest-rated hat-trick hero and, and two assists, um, Erling Broke Harland. And, and I'm going to say my, my Stockport counterpart, Phil Foden, as the second highest. All right, spot on. Bonus points. Can you give me their two ratings? Oh shit! And, and it's to one decimal, isn't it? On Correct. It's number, number point, number. I'm gonna say. I don't know how often they give tens, and I don't think it's that often at all. But I'm gonna say Harlan nine point seven. Okay, go on. And I'm gonna say Phil Foden. What is he? Three goals. I don't think he got an assist. I might have got that wrong. I'm going to say 9.1 for Phil Foden. Close. Holland, 9.8. Foden, just 0.1 behind him, 9.7. Wow. So the two assists were only worth 0.1, essentially. I I guess, yeah. That's absolutely bizarre. Um, Okay. Okay. Moving on to the other spectrum here, other end of the spectrum here. Two the two lowest rated players on the pitch. Give them to me. <laughs> Fuck me. It could be genuinely any of the United lot. Um oh god, who was the worst? There, there were some shockers. They were going, I'm gonna be the reverse to this, and I'm gonna say who it wouldn't have been. Um Martial scored twice, Anthony scored, so it can't be them. I actually thought Bruno Fernandez, despite trying to play hero ball for 90 minutes, was probably one of their better performers, and that says a lot. It has to be the defenders, and I'm, I'm going to say Martinez is one of the lowest, and probably Diogo Dallo could have been Malicia as well. It could have been Varane. It could have been Lindelof. It could have, genuinely. But I'm going to I'm going to go. I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go Malicia, and I'm going to go. No wait, because Malicia got taken off. Dallo played the full. I'm going to go Dallo, and I'm going to go Martinez. Very close. Martinez was actually the third lowest. The, the first lowest was David De Gea with 3.5 rated. and That the, high? Yeah, That's the, generous. The second was Diego Dallo with 4.7 rated. I want to know who was doing these ratings. Because there there's not a five. It's, a, a, it's a Fat five Mob. It's, the, it's, Scandi- it's Scandinavians. They're not getting anything wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, true, fair enough. That is, I mean, that is, is indicative, really, isn't it, of what we've just spent the last forty odd minutes speaking about. That that is that is a Manchester derby as well in a, in a, a Manchester United team, as we were at, at painstakingly told n- multiple times in the build up, who were gonna turn City over, and who I who I was led to believe that as well. I don't think I was alone in that. I, I genuinely saw Manchester City nil, Manchester United two, XG. Four for City, XG zero point six for United. I, 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 in it's somewhere in a different reality that happened for me, but, but yeah, what that just sums it up, really, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. So you finished with a seventy five percent, which in American school is a is a C rating, which is just bang average because you got three out of the four. Um, I'm going to give you a bonus question to get yourself back up to a hundred percent. All right. Yeah. Who was? City's lowest, and I'm going to say City's lowest who played more than a half of, or at least one half of football. 
And I'm I would like to count Kyle Walker in this. He played 42 minutes. So we'll we'll count Kyle okay. Walker in that. So out of the players, so that 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 rules out Laporte, Mares, Alvarez, and Palmer. So out of okay. all the players okay. that stepped on the field for City, except for yeah. those four, who was the lowest rated? I I think I'm pretty confident with this one. Um I don't think it's any of the attackers, obviously, for, for it's not going to be Haaland or Foden, but I don't think it was Grealish. I don't think it was Bernardo Silva or Gundogan. They both played well. Some of the defenders, maybe. Sergio Gomez got an assist, so it's not going to be him. Kyle Walker, I don't think he would have been. No, he wouldn't have been on the pitch for a goal, so I, I doubt it's him. I think I'm pretty confident in saying it's going to be Edison, the goalkeeper, for conceding three. Incorrect. Ederson, oh, Ederson, Ederson finished with. I'm going to give you the back four. You you are correct that it's a it's a member of the defensive union, but it is yeah. it is not Ederson. I'm going to give you the back five defenders who played more than or a half or more in this game. I'll give you their ratings in goal. Ederson with seven. Cancelo. Jesus, actually, I'll go in. I'll go in descending order from best rating down to lowest. So it started with Akanji seven point four. Yeah, fair. Ederson, 7.0. Cancelo, right. 7.1. Nathan Ake, 6.6. What? Kyle Walker, 6.2 was the lowest. And coming in for Kyle Walker, playing just barely over a half, was Sergio Gomez, who got a 7.4 thanks to his assist. So it was wow. Kyle Walker That's, was the lowest yeah. up until he got subbed. That's interesting. That, that, that's interesting. I don't for a second think Nathan Ake was the, the worst City player on the pitch at all. At all. And, and I'm not, as you know, I'm not one of these people who sort of had, have this sort of unwavering agenda against Edison, but he didn't have a lot to do. And when he when he was called upon, it, it wasn't it wasn't spellbinding, was it? Um, but no, that was fine. Yeah, two, two of the goals were unsavable, I'd say. The pen, the pen was unsavable. Well, yeah, yeah. The penalty, the penalty. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, I suppose. Um, I just think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good, all good, all good in the hood, um, as we like to say. Um, right, okay. We're not even going to contemplate a, a Copenhagen preview. City will play players. Hopefully, they'll win the game. Some players will play. Some players won't. We will review it after it, and, and I guess that's what we've got to say about that. There was just so much to speak about from the Manchester Derby, but um, it's lovely to do so, and, and lovely to do so in your company as usual, Adam, even if it isn't with a, a Panini sticker album. Well, I've got Panini sandwiches, and honestly, I feel like the victor here with that. <laughs> the cheek, the absolute cheek. You insulting a, a continent. If you, if just those, the, the wannabe European insulting the Europeans. Don't you hate to see it? Um, right, okay, we'll call it a day there. As usual, admin, follow, subscribe, hit like, whatever you want to do. Share it with your mum, your grandma, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever you, well, whoever you can think of. Get that out there to as many years as possible. We're enjoying a, a lovely, a lovely period at the moment. It's great to see so many people loving the podcast too. Um, I've been with Adam Booker. Adam, thank you very much. Thank you, Amos. Yes, I am Amos Murphy indeed. And until next time, we'll see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. 
there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.